Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 195 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to look at 10 things that Scripture says hinders our prayers. Let's dive in. As Christians, we are called to be people who pray. I find it interesting that in the Gospels, Jesus walks into the temple, and of course, you know, in one account, he builds the whip and he drives out the money changers and tosses over the tables. Well, it's interesting that in that encounter, Jesus makes the declaration that this is a house of prayer for all the nations. That the temple of God was, yes, it's a place of sacrifice, but ultimately it was supposed to be a place of prayer. Now, if you take that idea and you come later into Paul's writings, Paul says, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So we are to be a place of sacrifice. In fact, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 talks about the fact that you are a living sacrifice. And also, because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we, our lives, are to be houses of prayer for all the nations. Well, it's interesting when you look at this idea that we are to be people who pray. In other words, it's not just people who esteem prayer. We're not just people who, you know, pray before our meals or right before our bedtime. You know, we are to be people who people who are laboring tirelessly after God in prayer. Well, it's interesting to me that when you look at what scripture says in terms of prayer, there seems to be several things that hinder God from hearing our prayers. And several months ago, I was walking through a study of on prayer, and I came up with a list of 10 things that hinder our prayer. And I just want to walk through those 10 things because I think so oftentimes we, and especially Western culture, we have this attitude that, well, as long as I'm saying something to God, he's obviously going to listen to it and he's probably going to do it. And yet the reality is scripture says there are certain things that if they're taking place in my life, God will not listen to that prayer, which is kind of an interesting, perhaps scary thought. 
So as we walk through this list of 10 things that hinder prayer, I would encourage you to examine your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to press you to see if any of these are in your life. Well, let's jump in. The first thing that hinders prayer is that we are praying from selfish or lustful motives. It really goes to this idea of the why we are praying. Listen to what James 4.3 says. James says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. That word passions can be translated pleasure, passion, or lust. It's interesting. Anytime that we pray from a selfish or lustful motive, God doesn't listen to that prayer. So if I come to God and I say, God, I really need a million dollars. God, I need a brand new car. God, I need, I need. Well, if it's merely for my own passion, if it's merely for my own lusts, if it's for my own greed or my own pride, God will not listen to that. In other words, there should be a sanctification, a purity in our praying. Number two, we are not praying according to God's will. In other words, we're not in alignment with God's nature, his will, or his purpose on the earth. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, John tells us that this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. So when we pray, the reason we pray in the name of Jesus, amen, the reason we say that is because what we're declaring is that that which we have been praying is coming in alignment with the life, the character, the nature of Jesus. So again, as we pray, we can have confidence in our praying. We, we can have a surety as long as we are praying according to God's will. A third reason why our prayers are hindered is because we're trying to impress others. In other words, we forget that we are actually praying to the God of the universe and rather than praying to the one who's actually able, we're actually doing it out of pride for the sake of popularity and for the acceptance and the approval of, of those around us. Listen to what Matthew 6, 5 through 8 says. Jesus is speaking and he says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't it interesting that when I go and I, and I pray with all these words or I pray out in the middle of somewhere so that people can hear me, Jesus says, well, that actually is your own reward, that God is not listening when I'm praying merely to impress other people. And if you want to see a practical example of this, you know, if you attend church and you say you break up into some small groups and you're praying Notice your motive for why you want to pray in that group. So oftentimes we want to pray because we feel like we have this special burden or we have this eloquence in our praying and we want the people around us to go, well, 
They are a man or a woman, a prayer. Look at their great vocabulary. Look at their many words. Look at their passion in the midst of praying. And yet we need to remember that prayer is between us and the Lord, ultimately. A fourth reason why our prayers are hindered according to scripture is that we have doubt or we're not walking in faith. In other words, we're wavering and and unsure. I'll give give you a few verses on this idea. Matthew 21, verse 22 says, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. James 1, 6-7 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And Hebrews 4, verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you look at those three passages, it's interesting that the requirement for prayer is that we must have faith and we draw near to God in confidence, which means we're not approaching him in doubt. We're not approaching him with unsurety. We're not being tossed around by every wind of of the sea, uncertain whether or not God can actually do something. We pray in confidence because we pray according to his nature, because we know his life, his attitude, his attributes, his character, we can pray in faith. So again, one of the things that hinders our praying then is when we don't pray in faith or when we don't pray in confidence. A fifth reason why our prayers are hindered is because we live in sin and disobedience. It's interesting that The Bible equates this idea of walking in obedience and walking in the freedom that Christ has purchased with God hearing our prayers. In other words, when I harbor sin, when I hide my addictions and my habits, when I walk in continual disobedience and not in repentance, well, then my prayers actually become hindered. I got a whole bunch of verses on this, but I want you to hear the tone of scripture in light of this idea. So let me just read through these. This is Isaiah 1, 15 through 17. This is what God says through the mouth of the prophet. He says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen for your hands are full of blood. Therefore, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. Psalm 66 verse 18 and 19 says, if we have cherished iniquity in our heart, the Lord would not have listened, but God truly has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. That word for cherish or regard has this idea to cling or to hold on to something. So when I cling and I hold on to iniquity and sin in my heart, the Lord does not listen. Proverbs 28 verse 9 says, If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer 
is an abomination. In other words, we cannot ignore scripture in our lives. 1 John 3, 8 through 9 reminds us, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22 goes on and says, Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. I love what Leonard Ravenhill says about this idea. Ravenhill says that a sinning man will stop praying and a praying man will stop sinning. That sounds very similar to what John Bunyan, the old writer of Pilgrim's Progress, said. John Bunyan was once quoted by saying, Prayer will make a man cease from sin or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. So again, one of the things that hinders prayer is when I live in sin and disobedience, when I don't heed the word of the Lord. Number six is when I live with a lack of heavenly honor. In other words, how I live actually affects my prayers. In other words, our lives should reflect the honor and the reality of heaven. The behavior of heaven is to be exhibited in and through our lives. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now get this. Why are husbands supposed to behave a certain way? Why is there supposed to be this honor of heaven, this behavior of heaven being exhibited? Peter concludes, so that your prayers may not be hindered. In Proverbs 21, verse 13, the writer says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Isn't it interesting that the way that we live actually affects our praying? That again, our lives should reflect this behavior, the reality, the life of heaven. A seventh reason why our prayers are hindered is because we do not abide in Christ. John 15 verse 7 is in the middle of that section where Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches and the fact that we are called to abide. And listen to what Jesus says, verse 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Again, there's this idea that you must abide. You must remain. You must receive the life of the vine in you. And obviously, if you pray in the middle of this abiding relationship, well, then you're only going to pray according to the will, according to that life that is coming into your branch. So one of the requirements then for prayer is that we must abide in Jesus Christ. An eighth reason why our prayers are hindered is because we harbor unforgiveness. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Isn't it interesting that when I harbor bitterness or unforgiveness, it actually creates a barrier between me and God himself. 
In other words, if I don't live a life of forgiveness, if I don't forgive those around me, then that actually hinders my praying. A ninth reason is because we are praying in our own authority or our own name. I've talked about this so many times before, but a name in scripture is not just a name. It's not just Bob and Sue and Josephine. A name conveys this idea of the authority, the position, the character, the nature of an individual. So again, the reason we pray in the name of Jesus is because what we're saying is I'm not praying according to my own authority. I'm not a praying, uh, not praying according to my own character or my own nature or my own ability. I am praying in Jesus's authority, in his character, in his nature. See, this is all about him. In Romans chapter five, verse one, Paul reminds us, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the reason we have peace or reconciliation or forgiveness with God is through Jesus. He is the only way unto the Father, as John 14, 6 says, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Or the writer of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews 7.25. It says that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Or John 16.23, where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So again, When I come to God in prayer, I need to remember that I am not coming in my own strength or my own wisdom or my own ability. I am beseeching the Lord in the authority and the power and the name of Jesus. That the reason I even have intimacy and relationship with the Father is because of Jesus. It is through Christ. And therefore, when I pray, I must pray in his name, in his authority. And number 10, the 10th reason why my prayers may be hindered, and this maybe is a little cheeky, <laughs> but it's because we're not praying. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. Or Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. There's a promise contained in that passage that the moment I ask, wow, I will receive. If I will seek, I will find. If I would knock, it will be open to me. But for a lot of us, it seems like our prayers may be hindered because we're actually not praying. Yeah, we may be mumbling some words. Yes, we may be praying before our bedtime or before meals but we're not actually laboring and pressing in to the reality of prayer. Well, that's 10 things I found in scripture that hinder our prayer. And really cool. Let me just list them again, just for quick reference. Number one, what hinders our prayers is that it's born of the flesh. In other words, we're praying from selfish or lustful motives. Number two, we're not praying according to his will. Number three, we're praying to impress others. Number four, it's because we have doubt or we lack faith or we're wavering or we're unsure. 
Number five is because we live in sin and disobedience. Number six is because we live with a lack of heavenly honor and behavior. Number seven is because we're not abiding in Jesus Christ. Number eight is because we are harboring bitterness and unforgiveness. Number nine is because we pray in our own authority or our own name. And number 10 is because we're just not praying. Here's a question for you. Do you recognize any of those things in your life? As I was going through that, was there anything that you're just like, yeah, I recognize that that is going on in my life. Could I encourage you to throw yourself afresh upon the tremendous mercy and grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ? Would you humbly find yourself at the foot of the cross and, and repent of whatever the junk may be so that your prayers would not be hindered? I love what James 5.16 says. James tells us, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then he makes this bold statement. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. That phrase, the prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. When you look at a variety of translations, sometimes it's translated the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Or it's translated, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Regardless of how you translate it, and if you want to see a bunch of these translations, uh, I have it in the show notes for this episode. But that idea of righteousness is it's as God is and as a man ought to be. So if I'm going to experience the power, the effective, fervent working of prayer, then I've got to recognize that my life needs to be correct. My life needs to be as it ought to be. God has done all things that I need for life and godliness in my life. And in truth, there is no reason why my prayers should be hindered. Because the reality is, all of those things that we just walk through, the opposite is also true. If I had faith, if I walked in confidence, if I would walk in obedience and surrender, if I would live with purity, if I'd pray in his name, well, then the promise is God hears those prayers. And you realize that when God deals with my my life and makes me righteous, then the prayer of that kind of righteousness, that, that prayer of a righteous person who is praying in accordance with God's will and, and not praying out of selfish motives, but under the authority and the will of of Jesus, you realize that prayer, praying has great power in its working, says James 5.16. Can I encourage all of us not to make excuses for lackadaisical praying or passive praying or weak praying? Our world today needs men and women of prayer. Our churches today need men and women of prayer. Our families need men and women of prayer. But we need to recognize that there are things that can be going on in our life that hinder our praying. But when we surrender, when God makes us righteous, clothed with his own righteousness, then the prayers of such an individual have great power in its working. Wow, we need a demonstration of that in our world today. Well, I hope that was an encouragement. I hope that was actually a great pressing of soul to examine your own life to see if there's anything in your life that might be hindering your prayers. And can I encourage all of us 
let's not merely talk about and esteem prayer. Let's actually pray. And that's my prayer for you, that you would become a man or a woman of prayer. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of all the verses I read and the list of those 10 things that hinder prayer, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 195 for episode 195. Now, next week, we're going to continue this little mini series on prayer. But until then, know that I'm praying for you and I'm cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.